Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, if you'll follow along as I read it. It says this. It says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, cannot, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Some great scriptures there. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for an opportunity to come and to rejoice today. Thank you for an opportunity to sit in this barn, this cell barn, that you've given us and be able to come and worship you today. Lord, I thank you for those that are here today that may not want to be here. Those that may not like church. Those that may feel out of place. Those that may feel stupid. Those who don't understand the, the words that I just read in the Bible. I thank you for those people that are here today. Lord, I thank you for a church full of Christians that desire to see unchurched people come to Christ. And I thank you for them, and I pray that you would bless them. Lord, for us today as Christians, may you challenge us and help us be corner post Christians. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, may they put their faith in you today so that they can be that corner post Christian. Lord, we give you all the glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Alright, well in this passage, we find three essentials to becoming a corner post Christian. Alright? And we're going to look at number one today. You say, well, what are the three? What are, what are the three essentials? Look at verse 13 again. It says, now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Today we're going to look at the first essential of becoming a corner post Christian, and it is faith. And sometimes you look at you look at uh, church people and you think, "What's this whole faith thing about?" Some people don't understand when I use the word faith, and you say, "What does it mean to have faith? What's the purpose of faith?" Well, that's what we're going to look at today, and I want to I want to give you three things that you need to know or to realize so that you can understand faith. Faith number one is this. You ready? 
Are you writing this down? Those of you that have phones, you don't have any reason not to write it down either. You can keep notes on your phone. Amen? Right? Anybody have a phone? Anybody have the notepad on the phone? Know where that's at? Yeah. Pull out your phone. You can take notes on your phone. Then you always have them. Right? Instead of a little scrap piece of paper or a spot with notepads, you always have them. Listen, and I, I, I don't have anything special to say for me, but God has something special to say to all of us. Amen? Yeah, you guys don't agree with that, right? You're like, that was all flat. Seriously. I would encourage you to take notes, and I say this quite a bit, because I, I know that when I take notes, guess what? I remember it more. And guess what? When I take notes and when I remember things more, guess what? God uses me even more. You know why? Because I'm prepared to give an answer to the questions that people have outside this church. And so it's not about me. It's not about anything special that I can say. It's about what God can say to you. All right? Now step off the soapbox. Okay? I'm done. Here's number one. Number one. To live a corner post Christian life. Number one is this. You've got to realize that faith is what's in the ground. Faith is what's in the ground. The most important part of this post... I'm getting stronger. The most important part of what's in this post is what's in the ground. I can have a post and I can set it in the ground not very far and I can you know it, and I can just play with it or you know just not use it like I'm supposed to but when I set this post deeply in the ground guess what it will stand firm for the test of time I promise you you can see posts that have <laughs> Sorry about that that was an old man grunt I used to make my grandpa fun of him as well for making those grunting noises now I'm making Listen, the corner post, it's what's in the ground that truly matters. It has to be deep. It takes a lot of work. But if you want to have a fence that lasts, guess what? Then you have to bury the corner post deep. you got to bury it deep. Here's the truth. You can have a straight corner post that's really like above the ground. You can have it straight. It can be really big. It can be soaked in creosote so it won't rot. It can be made of pipe. Have you ever seen those corner posts that are like rocks? And they're bound in a, like a piece of field wire, and they're about four foot around. You ever seen those corner posts? I mean, those things are huge. But listen, if it's not deeply set in the ground, it's not going to last. But here's the other side of it. If it's set deeply in the ground, no matter what comes against it, it will stand. You say, give me an example of that. What about a cow trying to run through the fence? Anybody ever had a cow try to run through your fence? Yeah. If you've got a corner post that's set deep in the ground, guess what? It'll stand. How many of you guys have ever... <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. Please don't throw anything at me. It, it, whether it's your wife backing the truck up into the corner post, if it's deep in the ground, it'll stand. Whether it's the husband who is in the tractor and he's waiting for you to tell him to stop, but you don't tell him to stop, and he runs in to the corner post... If it's firmly in the ground, guess what? It'll stand. It's got to be set deep. You know why? Because it matters if you're going to last. The truth is this. A corner post, if, if, it's what's in the ground and what you can't see that makes all the difference. And it's the same way with faith. 
Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Listen. Just like the portion of the corner post has to be in the ground and it makes all the difference in the world, faith, that faith works in the same way. Faith isn't what you get to see on the outside. Faith isn't what you get to know on the outside. It's what you can't see. It's what you don't know, but you trust God anyways. And here's, here's something that, that as I, I, I and, and I'm proud to say this, and I, I don't mean to seem proud, but as I have my unsaved Christian friends, which I can thank God that I have more, Christ, more unchurched and unsaved Christian friends than I've ever had in my life. I don't know about you, but that's an accomplishment for me. And some of you need to be challenged by that. Some of you, you hang out in your little Christian cliques, you go to one Christian event to the next, and you just think that's the Christian life. It's not. You know what? you got to come from the Christian event like Sunday morning. you got to get out into the wild, and you got to become friends with the world so that they can be changed by Jesus Christ. Some of you guys listen. Some of you guys don't realize, yeah. Some of you guys don't realize what your unchurched friends are thinking because you don't have any. Now listen, I, I'm talking to adults here. A lot of times I think I get myself in trouble and I think about that and I think I need to clarify something. If you're a teenager or if you're a child, listen, you need to be careful hanging out with unchurched and non-Christians. And I'm not saying, yes, I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't, but parents, you need to be wise enough to know, okay, it's okay for my son to go over to that person's house or I'd rather that person come to my house. That's called wisdom. That's called discernment. And just because I say you need to have unchurched friends doesn't mean your teenage friends or your teenage child needs to be dating an unchurched person or hanging out with them 24-7. Do my little kids, six years old, have unchurched friends? Absolutely. But I know who they are, I know who their parents are, and I keep track of the amount of time that they spend with them. So I challenge you with that. But listen, the world, they want to see it before they believe it. And if they don't see it, then they'll have a hard time coming to Christ. If that's you today, listen. If that's you, and you say, well, i got to see this thing before I believe it. Listen, there is an amount, and this is, this is what the Christianity and, and all that stuff, all the stuff that we believe is based on. It's based on faith. You say, that means that I, they won't experience God, and I won't know Him personally, and that I won't see things that He does. No, you'll see those things, but a lot of what we do as Christians is a big step of faith. And you don't always know what's going to happen. And so our friends, our unchurched friends, they go, man, I've got to be able to see this thing. i got to be able to, to feel this thing. I, if I just saw Jesus, then I would believe. No, probably not. Even the people that saw Jesus in his day when he walked this earth, they didn't believe. It's a step of faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So first of all, faith is what's in the ground. A faith that will make us firm, solid, corner post Christians is planted deep in the ground. Here's number two. The second thing that we've got to realize if we're going to be a corner post Christian is this. Listen to this. And this is revolutionary for, for all of us. Listen to this. Faith is not circumstantial. 
Uh, I want that to sink in. Because I don't know what I deal with this. I, I deal with struggle with this. Let me say it again. Faith is not circumstantial. Uh, let me explain what that looks like. There are so many people that live in this world, and they have what you could call circumstantial faith. It doesn't matter if they believe in Christ or Buddha or Muhammad or whatever it is. They have a circumstantial faith. And you know what it means? It means that it's founded on their circumstances, their feelings, or their experience. Let me explain. Circumstantial faith looks like this. As long as God does what we ask Him to do, we will have faith. As long as He keeps us happy and satisfied and we get what we want, then we will have faith. As long as we feel love and are absent of trials, then we will have faith. But here's what happens. As soon as our circumstances change, as soon as everything goes down the tube, as soon as things don't happen according to our plan, guess what? Our faith wanes and weakens. You know why? Because it's based on our circumstances, not true faith. Let me, let me explain that a little further. Um, how many of you guys have ever been digging a hole with your post hole diggers? And many of you guys have augers behind your tra tractors, and you guys are special. I don't have that. I got a pair of gloves and a pair of pole stone diggers and a wife. <laughs> Who doesn't like digging holes? But here's what happens. How many of you guys have ever been digging a hole and you've been digging along and all of a sudden you hit that red clay or that hard rock that's everywhere around here and then all of a sudden you get a bright idea. I cannot get that big stinking post in the ground. What the heck am I going to do? Here's what we end up doing. We grab... The chainsaw. Now, I know you guys that are real, you know, real, you know, expert fence builders have never seen one of these. But let me introduce you to a chainsaw. A lot of times, what we want to do when we can't dig that hole deep enough, when we can't get it deep enough, what do we do? We stick it in the ground about a foot and a half, and we cut the top off of it. Anybody, to anybody, gutsy enough to say you've done it? Thank you very much. I thought I was going to have a bunch of liars in the bar today. But listen, it, it, it looks like there's a lot in the ground, but there's really not a lot. Let me explain this. Sadly, here's the truth. For many wannabe Christians, for many lazy Christians, they want to cut off the part of their faith that causes them to work and have to labor. They'll take the salvation part. I mean, that's the easy part. I can get my fire insurance and I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do nothing else. When it comes to living by faith, guess what? They say, nah. When, they, when it comes to serving in the church, can I lay a little guilt on you right now? When it comes to serving in the church, what do they say? Nah. When it comes to enduring persecution because someone's making fun of you for your faith, they say, nah. When it comes to obeying God's word instead of choosing what the world says that you got to do, they say, nah. <laughs> That's my goat, yeah. You're a goat, is what I'm trying to say. Listen. It's just like cutting that quarter post off. When you cut that part of your faith out, guess what? You will never get any deeper. 
You'll never get any deeper. The more your faith grows, the more you're going to realize that true faith is not built on your feelings. It's not built on convenience. It's not built on your situation at the time or your happiness or answered prayers or your circumstances. Why? Because here's the truth. The Christian life is not a ride in the round pen. It's a little more like the wild cow milking. I mean, I can ride my horse all the day long in a round pen, and he might not have a butt, and we get along pretty good. But as soon as I take him out of that, and I take him out in the pasture, and I want to get, you know, get something out of him, guess what? It gets a little harder. And the truth is, if you're a Christian here today, you know this. If you're not a Christian, you may not know this. Some preachers blow smoke up your butt, and they tell you that the Christian life is all peachy. It's not. Just because you give your life to Christ doesn't mean that you don't have to take steps of faith. And so, it's not based on your feelings. It's a wild and crazy ride. It's hard sometimes. It's tough. It's brutal sometimes. And people, listen, people that have a cut-off corner post faith, they get pulled up out of the ground and life comes unraveled. And can I just let you in on a little secret? At some point in all of our lives, our posts get pulled up and our lives come unraveled. Can I just declare that? As the preacher, sometimes my corner post gets pulled up and my life comes unraveled. Again, I don't want to feed you a lot of junk saying that I'm perfect. Every Christian that's in here is perfect. No, a lot of times we struggle with our faith. But listen to this. If our faith is a corner post Christian faith, it doesn't cut off anything. There's, there, our faith, when we are a corner post Christian, doesn't stop when it gets tough. It rises up and grows stronger. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly you are wasting away, inwardly you are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, you, you want to have a corner post Christian faith? You've got to be able to say, okay, when the going gets tough, the tough go to God. The tough dig deeper. The tough fight. I'm going to fight for my teenagers. I'm not going to give them over to the world. I'm going to fight for this church. I'm not going to let us get beat up by the world or other churches. I'm going to fight. You know why? Because my faith is real. You know how I know? Because I've, I've experienced it. Listen, a corner post Christian faith realizes that this is the only hell that we're ever going to experience. The corner post Christian knows that the troubles that we face are producing for us, what did it say? Far, the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do they do? They trust in the faith that's in the ground. And the faith that is unseen rather than what is happening around them. And here's the third thing. 
The third thing that we must realize, if we're going to have a corner post Christian faith or life, listen to this. Corner post faith is only found in Jesus Christ. I love pointing out the obvious. I love that because there are so many people that go, everybody knows that. No, they don't. You know what I hear a lot of times from people? That, and they don't know Christ, or they're in the church, or whatever. They just say, you know, if I just have enough faith, then, then I'll, I'll get through this. If I just believe, then I'll just get through this. And I don't know what they believe in. Sometimes people believe in themselves. If I can just work harder, if I can just make more money, if I can just, you know, love my, my girlfriend more, then it'll all work out. And they don't realize that their faith has to be in somebody, not themselves, not their money. The truth is, Faith on its own or faith in something of this world is not enough. It's not enough. We must have faith in the person and the power of Jesus Christ. The person and the power of Jesus Christ. Can I get a bigger clap than that? If I haven't told you lately, we are rewriting the idea of what it means to be reverent in church. Yeah. Some of you guys come from a, a reverent background where you got to be soft and quiet and solemn, and you better not clap or the demons are going to come into the church. <laughs> Actually, the demons are already here because they're in the drums. <laughs> we like to have a little fun. You know why? Because we serve a risen Savior. Amen. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, the, the writer, the author, which is Paul, I believe, and he, he's writing to some Jewish Christians who are losing their faith. Their faith is weakening. Their circumstances are hard. They're, they're being persecuted, and they think Jesus is supposed to be here. Jesus has just been crucified. They're like, where is he? He said he was going to come back. He's not back yet. And they're panicking. And their faith is weakening. But listen to what Paul challenges them to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess. These people were going through hell. Their faith was weakening. And what does he point out? What does he tell them to do? He says, Don't give up. Hold firm to the faith that you have, that you possess in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about having faith in the things of this world. You know why? Because they're going to let you down every time. Some of you guys are here today, and you're single. And I pick on single people every now and then. You're single, and you think, well, if I just get married, then I can have someone to be secure in my life. Here's the truth. I love my wife. My wife and I have a great marriage. But she can't truly satisfy me fully. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the only one that can do that. When our marriage is, is on, in, in turmoil, when we get into a fight, when we you know, face trials and tribulations, guess what? I don't turn to her and say, hey, I need to pray in Heather's name. She's pretty close to Jesus, but not that close. You know what I still have to do, even though I'm married? I have to turn to Jesus. Some of you guys are struggling with being alone. Some of you guys don't have a whole lot of friends. Some, some of you guys, your, your dad and your mom is out of 
pocket and you don't have somebody to really turn to, listen, you can turn to Jesus. He's the one that you need to have your faith in. Not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your mom, not your dad, not your future mate, not anybody else on this earth, but Jesus. And I've heard it said like this, if I just have enough faith, then I can get through this. If, I, if, I, if my faith were just bigger, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Listen to Matthew chapter 17, verses 20-21. It says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and there it will move. Nothing is impossible for you. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a mustard seed. I went to Israel. I was there for 10 weeks. I got to walk where Jesus walked. I, I, I swam in the Dead Sea. I river rafted down the Jordan River. I've walked in every spot probably that Jesus walked. I've been to every place that you read about in the Bible. And guess what I found there when I got there? I found a mustard plant or mustard whatever tree or vine or whatever you call it. And I found it and I looked at the mustard seed. And you know how big a, a mustard seed is? It's about as big as the, 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 the tip the head of your pen. If you had a pen, look at it. It's about as little as a head of a pen. The tip of your pen. It's tiny. Here's the point. Here's what he's saying. He's saying it's not about the amount of faith that you have, but the object of your faith that matters. It's not about, hey, I gotta just have more faith, then I'll be healed. I just have more faith, and then this will happen. I just have more faith. No, here's the truth. It doesn't take much faith to do great things. What it takes is faith, a little faith, in the person who can do much. And that's Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Never changing, resurrected Savior of the world who says in Luke chapter 18, verse 27, he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so you've got to have a faith that is in the ground. You've got to have a faith that is not based on your circumstances. And you've got to have a faith that is put in the person of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're going to be uprooted and everything's going to fall apart. Everything. And so here's my question. Are you a corner post Christian? Is your faith set deeply in the ground? Is your faith dependent on your circumstances? Or have you made other things the object of your faith rather than Jesus? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. <coughs> With your head bowed and your eyes closed, we, again, we don't ask you to come to the front during an invitation. We don't ask you to even come down here and fill out a card or do anything like that. All we ask you to do is examine your own life. And maybe you're here today and, and you're lost. And you say, what do you mean? I, I know where I'm at. I'm from Woodward, Oklahoma. What are you talking about? No, what I mean is you're lost spiritually. It means that you've placed your faith 
in the other things of this world rather than in Jesus. Can I just encourage you today? Jesus Christ came, and guess what? He was crucified on a thing that looks a lot like that quarter post. And it's called a cross. The spikes that you can run in that quarter post were ran into his hands and his feet. A crown of thorns was placed on his head, and they spit in his face. They, they beat him to a pulp. I mean, they, they, they ripped all the flesh off his back. With the cat and nine tails, they had glass and teeth from animals, bones in it. And every time they hit him, it would just tear the flesh off. And then after they did that, guess what? They put a purple robe on him. And they mocked him. Saying that he, if he was really the king of the Jews, then he would take himself off that cross. And after they put that robe on him and stayed on for a little while, guess what? They would rip it off. And then open up the wounds back again. Here's my point. That Jesus who came and he died, he died on a cross so that you can have life and have it to the full. He died on the cross so that you can have eternal life in heaven. He died on the cross so that you can have peace on earth. He died on the cross so that you can have joy. He died on the cross so that you can be fulfilled. He had you got on the cross so that you can have strength to say no to the temptations that you face every day. And I don't know about you, but I want me some of that. And I wonder, do you? You say, well, how do I get some of that? You place your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? That's a fancy, you know, fancy talk for church people. How do I place my faith in Jesus Christ? Here's how you do it. Romans 10, 9, and 10, which is a book in the Bible, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, says, they say this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, you say, okay, Lord, I confess you as my Lord. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Not just that I can have my fire insurance, but so that I can live according to your rules, according to your lifestyle for me, according to your plan. And so I confess you right now as my Lord. And it goes on to say in verse 10, it says, if you will, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, not only did he die on the cross, he arose from the grave. And if you'll believe that in your heart, you will be saved. So you say, well, how, how do I have that? How do I receive that? You confess and believe. Not just about lip service, not about some fancy prayer. It's all about your heart. And it's all about giving it to Him. You say, well, I want to do that. You can do that right there in your seat. Nothing special about the front of a church. There's nothing special about any of the, the seats. There's nothing special about anything. The only thing that's really special is Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And he offers that as a free gift to you then. And so if you want to do that in your seat and you just say, you know what? I give you my life. I confess you as my Lord. 
And I believe that you died and that you rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. And come into my life and save me. Listen, if you did that just now for the first time, again, we don't want you to come to the front. We don't ask you to stand in front of 250 people. All we ask you to do is grab one of those door sheets on your way out and just put down on there your name, your number, what decision you make today. Just check whatever it is and place it in the offering bucket. And we will contact you. We will pursue you. That's my promise to you. If you will fill it out, we will pursue you. And if you have questions, you say, I'm not ready, fill one out so that we can pursue you and we can help you find the answers. And so if that's you, you gave your life to Christ, if you have other questions, please fill out that order sheet. Place it in the offering bucket and we will contact you. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you need to get your eyes off of what you can see and put your eyes on what you can't see. You need to have faith to take that step that God is calling you to take. You need to have faith that, that, that you trust in God with your future. And you give it all to Him. That's what it looks like to be a quarter post Christian. Lord, I come to you right now. And I thank you for everyone that's here today. Lord, they're not here by accident. They're not here because, you know, it was fate or whatever. They're here because you wanted them here. And you destined for them to be here today. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, that there have been some lives that were changed for eternity because someone gave their life to you today. And, Lord, for us as Christians, May we be challenged to take those steps of faith that you're calling us to. May we set our post in deep and stand firm and secure in the faith that we have in you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.